You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Hello, beautiful listeners and viewers. I have Dr. Steve Iacovelli with me today. He is known as the Gay Leadership Dude. We are going to talk about being resilient in times of change. Anybody out there relate to that right now? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Steve. So he's worked with Fortune 500 company greats like the Walt Disney Company, Bayer, Amazing Not-for-Profits, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the American Library Association. Like these are all big deals. And today he's here with us and he's going to teach us some of those very same things on being resilient in times of change. So welcome to the show. Do you prefer being called Dr. Steve? No, just Steve. Unless, and don't call me Steven unless you're my mom and you're mad at me. <laughs> All right. I will refrain from that. <laughs> so your company is the Top Dog Learning Group. Right. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So about 14 years ago, I took a side hustle and turned it into a full-time gig. And I like to always say that our doghouse kind of sits in the center of three very different but beautifully complementary areas. We focus on uh, leadership and organizational development. We play around with uh, diversity, inclusion, and creating a sense of belonging in the workplace. And then we look at change management and being resilient in times of change. And of course, it's sometimes all three of those in the things that we do uh, with clients. And uh, we we do a lot of different solutions, if you will, in those those areas. Um, formal training, informal training, group coaching sessions, um, off-the-shelf solutions we just give folks, straight-up consulting stuff. And, and like you said, Victoria, we do work with larger Fortune 500s, large not-for-profits. But it's been such an interesting experience to watch how various organizations deal with change in either very sophisticated, complex ways or don't deal with it at all and just kind of hide their head and say, no, oh, it'll go away. And so it's been really <laughs> fascinating to see. Well, I hate to bring up COVID, but I'm going to. And I will <laughs> say if it's the one thing that I have learned over the last couple of years is to be more open to change and to kind of go with the flow a little bit more. But it didn't come naturally. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of tears. And then finally, there was some surrender saying, okay, apparently I am not the boss of COVID. So so I'm going to have to learn to go with the flow. Can you kind of just tell us how you first of all, made that change, did you say 14 years ago, from (laughs) another career into doing what you're passionate about? Yeah. So sometimes change is something we select strategically to do. Like, I'm going to go get a degree in something or whatever. And then sometimes change is thrust upon us. And so I I have to admit, I've been a fairly resilient person most of my adult life. Uh, But about Actually, in 2002, I was at Disney. I worked for Disney Cruise Line for several years. And I'm on board. I'm just learning the ropes, no pun intended, ship talk. And I'm following around my uh, the woman whose job I'm taking. And so we've been together for a couple of weeks. And, and so we're on board one of the Disney ships. It's a seven-night seven, seven night voyage. And she said, you know, we should have dinner. I'm like, uh, Ruth, we're going to have dinner. It's a ship. We're not going anywhere. She said, no, no, no. no let, let's, let's go to the spa. So you know, side note, if anyone out there uh, listening has ever worked for a cruise line, you see your coworkers in swimsuits far more often you need to expect another job. So anyway, Ruth and I go to the spa and she's like, we should start a business. I'm like, we have jobs. She's like, no, no, no. Let's do a, like a side hustle kind of thing and you know, corner the training world. So we, you know, we got back to the office and we went to our senior VP of HR at Disney and we told her the deal. And she's like, fantastic. First of all, thank you for coming and telling me. Do not use Disney stuff. 
do not use Disney time, have fourth and, and best of luck. We're like, cool. So we started Top Dog Learning Group as kind of this, you know, side hustle thing in 2002. We didn't have a lot of clients, but you know, we, we, it, it was our excuse to kind of um, have some wine and talk about you know, training stuff. And we did this for several years. And then flash forward to late 2007, I was actually working as the global head of leadership for a large manufacturing company and was there for a year and a half. Things were going great. I run, got five out of five of my mid-year reviews. I won a little glass award, like best HR person ever. Woo-hoo. And I was pulled into the office and my boss at the time says, yes, yeah, Steve, this just isn't working out. We're letting you go. To this day, <laughs> 14 plus years later, I still don't know why. But Florida is a right to work state and that is what it is. But what it did show me is, you know, I had this, this part-time business hustle, side hustle set up. The infrastructure was there. I'm like, well, let's let's see if I can make a go of this. And Ruth kind of kept working her way up the food chain at Disney. So I kind of did, you know, kind of came off the top dog, which as you might recall, 2008 was a really crappy time mm-hmm. to start a business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, well, let's see where this goes. And, you know, knock on wood, it's pretty much been my my main gig ever since. And I, and I, and then that's one of the things that really got me into understanding resiliency. I actually was an IBM consultant as well. As you can tell, I kind of bounced around a bit. There's like all my jobs were the same. They just had different you know employers on the paycheck, basically. But when I was at IBM, I was a change management consultant. And that's where I started understanding it and researching the psychology behind how humans adapt or don't to changing times. Because regardless of the change that we're thrown at to, whether it's COVID, whether it's a new business process in my company or whatever, you know, humans don't necessarily like change. It actually hits the cave brain of us and it feels icky because it's unsafe or it's unknown. You know, that phrase, the devil you know versus the one. Yeah, that's there's a psychological foundation for that. And so I realized that studying it kind of made me have a little bit of awareness of it. And I started reflecting on my own reactions to change. And, and then there's some great research out there on what people can do to actually amp up their own resilience. And uh, so I started kind of using that. And then we started teaching classes and all this fun stuff around resiliency in times of change. Okay. So if we put somebody in your shoes, yeah. Where you were. And all of a sudden, the career that you have always known is gone in terms of that employer, or maybe it's somebody who is retiring or yeah. moving to a new city. And like you said, the psychology behind that kind of that, that brain of, oh, oh, this isn't safe. How do you get past that? How do you overcome that? If you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, for some people, it, you were all in this weird continuum. Some people, it's a little less hard than others. But I started looking at all the research out there and all these fantastic books on resiliency in times of change. And I was just gobbling them all up as much best I could. And I started seeing a pattern. There are consistencies in how experts say, this is how we as humans should approach change. And, and I actually boil it down to what I think are the top three. Based upon my experience, what I've seen in, in workplaces, as well as what some of the other experts say in this area. And the, the first and foremost one is you know, having a positive perspective. And I know you've talked about this on your show before, which I think is fantastic, but it can't be underestimated. Studies show that when we're in that more positive view of the world, and it's not, I'm former Disney, it's not like, oh boy, everything is great. It's not that. And yes, we did have to learn how to talk about Mickey when, no, I'm kidding, we didn't. <laughs> but uh, when you have those great days, you honor it. But when you have those really crappy days, it's okay to say, well, what went well today. And do you remember the book there's a children's book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No yes, Good, Very yes, Bad Days. Yes. Yeah. So we've all had those terrible, horrible, good, no good, very bad days. But when you start to say at the end of that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, well, you know what? What's 
three things that went well today. Ah, that's the sweet spot. And studies show that if you create a what went well journal where you identify five things at the end of the day, gratitude journal, there's lots of different ways you can call it, but you actually start to rewire your mind to look for those bright spots. And I always use the example, it's like you buy a new car. I I drive a mini. So I remember the first time I, I pulled my mini off the lot, all of a sudden I'm driving around. I live in Orlando, Florida, and I'm seeing, oh my gosh, everybody has a mini. And it's not that everyone's like, oh, Steve's so cool. He has a mini. I have to go get one. No, it's called the heightened sense of awareness. And what you can do is train your brain to look for those bright spots, to, to have that heightened sense of awareness. So when you do have those horrible, terrible, no good, very bad days, your brain is still looking for those. Well, that was a good thing. Oh, look, I didn't get caught in traffic or big things and small things doesn't matter. So that's, I think, the first and probably one of the biggest things to think about it is switch that mind to look for that glass half full mentality. I'm so glad you mentioned that because this glass half full mentality that there is the science behind it, that we do need to change our brain and change our thinking. And it's not just an attempt to be positive and to force through and to shut out all of those feelings that maybe we don't want. Yeah, It is just, you know what? Today was a crappy day. I can find someone who I appreciated or something that happened that worked well for me or something that I am really proud of myself for doing in this no good, horrible, very bad day. (laughs) Shout out to the author for that one. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. And having that mindset, like you said, changes the pathways within our brain. And we create these new grooves that then can be used and be accessed in both quote unquote positive and negative situations. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to the the second of the top that I was kind of play with. And that's having what we call a healthy self-concept. And this is kind of a broad concept, a broad idea, but it's really, it's a self-esteem is the other way to say it. To know that, um, especially on those bad days, and we've we've all gone through challenging times, some of us together when it comes to things like COVID, but we all have our challenges that we face. And I guarantee every listener, every viewer here has got bounced back from those low points. And that's where we want to put some of our energy toward is you know having a healthy self-concept is you know not the oh I'm a victim of change. What was me? No, it's okay, change happened. What have I done in the past to get me from a low point to that high point? And how can I leverage that again, whether it's my family, my networks, just my own kind of you know gumption for success, as we say here in the South, or whatever. You know, having that healthy self-concept is something that we need to honor, but also that we didn't know that we've done it before. You know, and we'll do it again and, and really kind of leverage that past experience to get through the current. So you're looking for the evidence to support you. Yes. Yes. And I think something that's important to point out to our listeners as well is that you can do this when you are feeling in a negative space as well in terms of, oh, I'm never going to find another job. And there's no jobs out there. And all the 20-year-olds are going to get the jobs, whatever it might be. Okay. Look for the evidence. Okay. Is it true that I'm never going to get another job? Well, probably not. Right. Right, And and just looking for that evidence. So you're saying, saying, look for the evidence in the past on how you have dealt with change, how you have gotten through, you know, use those resources again in this scenario. And then, you know, my little two cents on that was look for the evidence. Yes, exactly. I had a, a sales coach years ago. He said, success leaves clues. 
And I always thought that was a great way to phrase things. Success leaves clues. Can because, you end on that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, when you have successes in your life, there's little pieces of evidence on how you got there. Whether it's, you know, you had the fortitude, you put the energy in, you leveraged your network, your family, friends, whatever. Success leaves clues. And I think when we, we talk about changing times and getting through those changing times, that healthy self-concept that you have, there's clues there on what you did in the past. Whether yes. it's, it's obvious or suggested. And we have, need to have that kind of mindfulness of, oh yeah, you know, I I did go from that low point to that high point. What was it that got me there? Mm -hmm. And these little steps that we're taking along the way in a way of planting seeds. Yes. And, you know, there's that expression that it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. (laughs) And, you know, we hear about it all the time, whether it's in the music industry, we think they just popped up out of nowhere, but they've been working behind the scenes for 10 years. And when you talk about these little clues and, and I mentioned seeds, when we are in that place where we can look back and we can say, you know what, this is all coming together because three years ago I did this, you know, six months ago I did that and just keep working in the direction of those dreams and the success that you wish to achieve. Absolutely. And and I think that kind of leads a beautiful segue into the third and final top three strategies that I've kind of put together. And that's probably one of the biggest and hairiest and scariest ones of them all. (laughs) It's being uncomfortable with uncertainty or being comfortable with uncertainty. Definitely uncomfortable with it. With and, and of course we are. That's that's like the, the big thing that people react to change. It's like, oh, it's new. I don't know it. What's going to happen to me? And if we could start to figure out how to tackle those uncertain situations in, in a very strategic way, then we're going to feel much better. And you bring up a, an awesome example that sadly I use a lot in my, my workshops. It's I lost my job. And, and becoming all too common. So you lose your job. Change that didn't happen to you or didn't, you didn't plan on, it was thrust upon you. So if we have a positive attitude, you know, it's like, well, now I have a new opportunity. One door closes, maybe a window opens. So there's that coming into play here as well. And it's, well, gee, in, in my case, I've been fired once. It's going to happen again. Cool. I can figure this out. I did last time. So there's that second point. But the uncertainty part is where we're focusing our energy. And so what I what I instruct folks to do is you think about the big, hairy, gross deal that's happened to you. I lost my job. So then you identify, what are the things I'm really concerned about? Cash flow. <laughs> Number one answer, healthcare. What are people going to think about me? Will I find a job in my area? Like these are the, the common ones that bubble up. And then what you do is you figure out which ones do you either have control over, which ones can't you control, but at least influence. And what are the ones that are absolutely out of your control nor influence? They just are what they are. And you kind of organize them. And you take a step back and say, where am I focusing my energy? So something like, I can't cash flow. We can find a job that pays us. It may not be the you know, six-figure salary I want or expect, but you can find cash flow. Starbucks is always hiring their beautiful company to work for. For example, I have no affiliation with Starbucks, but just as an example. You know, and then I can sell my stuff on eBay if it gets that bad. You, know, like you, there, you have some control over that. So we put that kind of in, in the one side. Then there's things like what people think about me. Well, you know, I can't control what people think about me, but I can influence them and, and say, you know, no, this is really going to be a good thing here. Here's why. And like, oh, that's cool. So you have that opportunity. Jobs in my area. Well, the beautiful thing about now and how we've gone through this time of you know hybrid working and remote working and all that good stuff, I think the opportunities are, are, are much bigger depending on the type of job and profession you're in. But... That aside, you know, you have no control what jobs are going to be available. You know, that's not your deal. So then you start to think, where am I focusing my energy? Most people are focusing their energy on stuff that they can't control nor even influence. And so don't do that. <laughs> your batteries are only so big. And when you're throwing your energy there, it's not, you'll no have no juice to 
flow it on the stuff that you can control or least influence. And, and so I, uh, to kind of summarize this last point, my favorite, favorite, favorite quote around this, and I still can't find the author, is don't be consumed worrying about the weather. Instead, spend your time learning to dance in the rain. Or as my uncle says, you're going to have weather, whether you like it or not. And so you <laughs> kind of shift that mindset and know that there's going to be stuff you can't control. Oh, well, even if you bring an umbrella, see what happens. Don't worry about it. Learn how to dance in that rain. That's such a great expression. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about how so often we will put our focus on what it is we don't want, right? And so what you're saying is shift that focus over to what it is that you do want and attract more of that into your life. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. That is so beautiful. And I absolutely love those tips. And they just fit in so well with what this podcast is all about. And I just want to mention your website again, topdoglearning.biz. That's B-I-Z. And again, this being resilient in times of change. And you know, this is a big news flash. There's always going to be times of change. <laughs> it's not going right? to stop. It's not going to stop right. in the vaccine. <laughs> and all of us do have that level of being uncomfortable with uncertainty. Your little slide that said comfortable with uncertainty. My first thought was, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> get comfortable with it. <laughs> I, I want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. But the truth is none of us do. So these are fabulous tips. Uh, listeners and viewers, watch this again. Listen to this again. Go through those slides again. Make some notes because these are tips that you will be able to use throughout your life. Absolutely. And if I could, Victoria, I mean, one of the things when COVID first happened and all the stuff that I just shared here was actually an eight-hour workshop we used to do on site at clients. We actually created a, a shorter four-hour version for like you know little shorter things. And then when COVID started, one of my top doggers, which is what I call my consultants, she's and she was one of the folks who like, is one of my chain. Uh, experts. And she's like, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could give this class to everybody right now? I'm like, you know, we can. So my doctorate's actually in instructional technology and distance education. So I've been Zooming before it was cool kind of thing. But actually, we created a a self-paced training on exactly the things I shared, uh, activities you can actually do to uh, amp up your own resiliency. And so we have that available um, at topdoglearning.biz. You'll see the little banner. Oh, wonderful. And building up that resiliency. We all need that. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about your favorite quote, and I'm seeing a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to have some fun with us and talk to us a little bit about the theme. What counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And that is from Dwight D. Eisenhower. Why is that your favorite? Well, there's a couple reasons. If you're listening or watching, topdoglearning.biz. So there's a, a canine thing going on here. And, and the reason is, is when Ruth and I named um, our business, you know, her last name's Bond. She's very British in a gorgeous way. And Bond and Yachavelli and Associates just didn't roll off the tongue very well. And she is a dog whisperer. She's amazing. And I didn't even have a dog at the time, but I'm like, dog, I like dogs. So we kind of riffed with the dog thing. And that's where we came up with Top Dog Learning Group because we actually have, you know, we knew we'd have consultants under us at whatever. So there was that. So then as we're... And side note, if you look at my logo, it actually looks like my my canine daughter who's sadly since passed, but she always lives on my little logo, which is just completely serendipitous, which I love. But um, you know, we were looking for like collecting dog quotes. And I found this one and it so spoke to me so much so that if you ever get an email from me, you'll see it at the bottom of my email because I, I love it so much because it's talking about passion. And it doesn't matter how much money... I mean, I work with large, massive companies and our competition 
Anderson can be some of the big consulting firms, the big you know, training folks, you know, all those folks out there. And, and we're like, that doesn't matter. We are stupidly passionate about what we do. We want to help learners be even more awesome, leaders be more inclusive, people to roll, not just survive, but thrive in times of change. And I just always felt that this quote, the size of the fight in the dog is about passion and really being able to deliver on, on what's inside you versus the resources you have available to you. Absolutely. When I read that, what came to my mind was it can apply to all of us. We all have access to that passion and that drive. It's not the select few, like you said, or like Dwight Eisenhower said, (laughs) it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And knowing that we can continue to pursue wherever it is that we're headed, whatever it is that's passionate for us, and know that there's going to be times when we are going 100 miles an hour, and then there's going to be other times and we're just struggling to take a few steps forward. And that that is all part of that passion, all part of the size of the fight in the dog. So I love that you shared that with us and and everything that you brought to the show today. You are doing great things in the world. These are really valuable skills that when people know they can apply it to all parts of their lives. So thank you for all you do. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Victoria. It was great. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time.